Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and its select theaters. Rated R. Unfound is brought to you by its supporters at Patreon, PayPal, and YouTube, along with its gracious advertisers. On this episode, I cover a lot of topics, including a Flight 370 documentary, the murder of a podcaster, the Brian Patrick Miller trial, Daniel Villarreal found, podcasting bros, the upcoming Dr. Telesco show, and a whole lot more. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound Live for March 13th, 2023. Hello, everyone. Got to get my microphone set up here. This is the Unfound Live Show for March 13th. Look at my hair. 2023. I hope everybody is doing well. And I know what you're already saying for those of you who are uh, watching this. I realize that we have an audience who only listens and uh, whether it's um, off iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else, you're not seeing this, but you're probably looking at that background and saying, where are you, Ed? Well, you know, if you've been around here long enough, uh, you will be, you know, that this is actually my, um, bedroom here in, uh, my place, my condo here in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And, uh, my dad is now here. And so, things had to be moved moved around. And so um, that is why I moved uh, my equipment and everything here into my bedroom out of the main area so dad can watch his TV and do whatever else. And, um, and I can get my work done as well. And then also when I do my recording for the episodes, forever long he's going to be here. Um, you know, when I usually record late at night, uh, I can be over here and he can't hear me. And so with the work of these things out. So, uh, that's what you're seeing here in the background. A lot of things, uh, papers and stuff. Um, those are things that are not usually in here. So there you go. But I have a great, excellent, spectacular, fantastic live show ready um, uh, for you tonight. And I hope you're all ready to partake in it. And I did not, I got one uh, question before I came to the microphone tonight. So if there are any, uh, any questions out there that you'd like to ask, 
please do so now. Lisa, I see you. I got your question about music. I will surely get to that before I am done tonight. But if anybody else has any uh, questions, like to ask me, does not have to be missing persons related. I will give it my best shot in answering whatever you'd like to know. And please remember to give this live show a thumbs up as you are watching tonight. Please think about subscribing. Please think about joining by hitting the join button below the screen here. I think you'd have to go to a regular computer to do that. I don't know if that join button shows up on apps that you might find on your phone or tablet. So, uh, so like I said, yes, my dad is here. He had called me, um, last Thursday while I was at trivia. And he said that, uh, you know, he's going to be coming down. I said, okay. And he got in his vehicle on Friday morning, and he got here Saturday evening. 86 years old, drove from Pennsylvania to Florida. So how about that? Who would have thunk it? But he is here. He's actually uh, sitting on the other side of this wall right now watching TV. And I can just barely hear the TV out there. I don't think that you can hear it. I don't think the microphone is that sensitive. So he's, uh, of course, over in the other room. So there were a lot of things that I had to do around this place, move some things out of that uh, guest bedroom and move everything in here to prepare uh, for him being here. How long is he going to be here? Hard to say. Uh, As I think I've said in the past, I think he uh, gets bored here um, fairly quickly. (laughs) So we shall see, but everything's been good so far. Um, just hanging out, watching some TV. We sat out in the balcony last night, uh, night and it was a little cloudy out, but we were looking at the planes flying over the Gulf of Mexico and there were some clouds rolling in and things. So, um, those are some of the things that we've done so far. He went out and uh, did some shopping, went some places today. I got some work done here. So uh, we're coexisting for the moment. So let's see who's in here, and I will get right into this. Hello, Charles. What's going on? Lisa says, I'm not late or out of town. Hello, Lisa. Kathy, good to see you. Mark. Paula, I'm back on schedule live show and deep cleaning of the kitchen. Yeah, you got to do that deep cleaning, Paula. Jasmine, Mark says, pretty safe bet. I won't be cleaning anything tonight. That's funny. Uh, Yeah, hello to you, Charles and Suzanne and Twinkle. And Sheree, thank you for moderating tonight. Not sure what's going on for everybody tonight, but I got a pretty good agenda planned. Um, did everybody remember to put their clocks out? Is that even a thing anymore? You know, it seems to me that just about all the technology that we have in our lives uh, these days automatically just do that. So I don't know. I know that I still, there's a clock over here. I don't know if you can see it. 
I still haven't changed it. So it's like old enough that it didn't change by itself. The microwave uh, in this condo uh, did not um, change itself. I had to change that, but I think everything else, did my car change? I don't even remember. Um, have I even been in my car? I don't even, did I do any driving? I didn't even do any driving yesterday or today, so I don't even know. Um, I'll have to check it when I get it, maybe until I guess I'll get in it tomorrow. Maybe. Um, I don't know if my car automatically changes time or not, but the cable boxes, our phones, laptops, things like that, they all automatically change. So I don't even know if it's like a, really a big thing anymore for people actually forgetting to move their clocks. I, I don't know. And of course, uh, we got into this uh, talk last night during the think tank that um, there are two states in, in the United States that don't change their times at all. And they're Arizona and Hawaii. So all the other 48 do, I'm guessing Puerto Rico does and, um, you know, these territories, I think, but Arizona, Hawaii, Arizona and Hawaii, same, uh, time all the time. So for example, for Arizona, it goes back and forth between Pacific time and mountain time. And so now that we've changed, uh, Nevada is on Arizona time. So during the summer, Nevada, Arizona, California, they're all in the same time zone. But then when they go back in the fall, then Arizona technically goes back to the mountain time zone. So uh, Mark says it's a different time in every room of my house. That sounds like a really good science fiction story, Mark. Uh, Paula, only the microwave and stove have to be changed. Okay. Cherie says, I don't even know what's happening. And a cold front came in as well as spring break. So I was really confused this morning. That's funny. Uh, Kathy says Puerto Rico and territories also do not change. So it's just the 48 states, all the territories that the United States has, like um, Guam and U U.S. Virgin Islands and places, they never change their times. It's interesting. Thank you for uh, looking that up, Kathy. Thank you. All right, let's get to, uh, I got a lot to talk about tonight. A lot of things going on uh, connected to Unfound, either on Netflix or, you know, other things. So I got, there's going to be a lot of stuff tonight that is connected to Unfound, even though in a way it's not connected to Unfound. But, uh, where do I want to start? I'll just start where I usually do. And that is with the poll. And that is for, of course, we revisited the disappearance of Greg Brooks. This gave me an opportunity. Now, this was kind of weird in that I, when, uh, you know, I think the blog had started at that time, but I had written a blog at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. Please think about going over there and supporting the podcast, if only for $2 a month, please. But I write a blog there, and so when we covered Greg Brooks's disappearance uh, in February of 2018, I had an opportunity to write that blog and give an opinion on 
uh, you know, to analyze, I analyzed it and gave my opinion as I always do at the end of each uh, one that I write. And of course, these days I'm recording, the, there's audio as well. So five years later, it gave me an opportunity to uh, look at his disappearance all over again. And it's so crazy, at least for me, for my, the way I've changed, to look at how I was thinking back then and then comparing it to how I think about disappearances now. It's very, very interesting. And in fact, in that blog, I uh, talked about what I was looking at then and how what I look at, how I analyze things has changed now. Now, of course, not would just not be for Greg Brooks's, Brooks's disappearance, but any disappearance that Unfound is covered, you know, maybe back at the beginning and then looking at it now. And, of course, we've revisited other disappearances before. Of course, Joshua Guimond, um, Ashley Kohler, to name just a couple. Tom Brown, we did that last summer. But the uh, far as Greg Brooks goes, the poll that was in the discussion group, although not a ton of people took part in it, uh, an overwhelming majority of you thought that um, somebody else left Greg's car with, where it was found. In the think tank, once again, at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, please consider joining. The think tank pretty much universally decided that it was Greg that left his car where it was found over there in the Ruskin area. So, uh, the discussion group, the think tank, totally at odds on this one. And then for me, I you should know, originally back in 2018, <clears throat> I, I wrote the blog that I wrote. I'm, I'm on, honest about this. Uh, I thought that somebody else had left his car there. Five years later, I've gone the complete opposite direction. And have now decided that Greg left his car there. So if you'd like to read how my analyzing of these things have changed, why my opinion changed, you can go find that out at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. No, I don't think I'm being wishy-washy or anything else. I think, if you're wondering that... um, you know, the truth is, is that the time that we covered Greg Brooks's disappearance, Unfounded maybe covered about 55 disappearances, maybe 60. I didn't go back and count, but uh, I can actually look at that real quickly here. Hold on a second. Greg Brooks' original... Let me see here. About 65 disappearances when we covered his disappearance originally. And now, of course, we're up to 280 some. And I think most importantly, we've covered quite a few disappearances like Greg's. And I don't necessarily mean men, but women too. When we start hearing about maybe some mental health issues, things not going into that person's life that... Uh, you know, not going maybe the way that person would like. 
you know, you start to hear these stories enough and you start to realize that a large majority of these are not foul play. I mean, really, what are the odds that person's going through some tough times, maybe mighty fighting some mental health issues, and then somebody comes along and randomly kills that person? Of course, it happens. But we covered disappearances so much like that, that that played a major factor in me changing my mind from 2018 to 2023, uh, over 200 disappearances later. And uh, probably the next, I don't know, when are we going to, it's been a while, it had been a while since we revisited a disappearance. So um, I'm thinking probably we'll revisit another one this summer. Sometime in the middle of the summer, we'll just see how everything goes, uh, June, July, something like that. Really don't know uh, which one will be next, but uh, I was glad that uh, we could take another look at Greg's disappearance. And I have to admit what drew me a little to it was that it is a disappearance kind of local to me in that his car was found in the Tampa area. So that played a a big factor in that. So um, hopefully you've gotten to listen to it. If not, uh, hopefully you will uh, soon. And maybe you'd like to email me at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com to tell me what you think. Maybe you've listened to the original episode and had one idea, but now that it's five years later and you've listened to all the other unfound episodes maybe you're thinking about disappearances has changed your thinking has changed that maybe you've come to a different conclusion just like i have mark says we've only changed for about the past uh 10 years oh in indiana so oh so indiana was a state mark that used to keep it the same all year round as well interesting okay hello the real what's going on down in australia today uh you should know the real. Uh, we are going, of course, you already know, uh, we're trying to cover a disappearance in Australia. I had a conversation about 10 days ago with the brother um, of a, uh, a woman who went missing on Australia. But just a few days ago, I spoke to a woman in New Zealand about a disappearance that happened there. So we might make that happen uh, to the real. And then everything 2023, what is going on? Everything good to see you. All right, moving on from the Greg Brooks Revisited episode. As I told you last week, I think that I can talk more about it now. And that is... Of course, I'll be talking about this even probably way more in depth come the next update episode, which is scheduled for um, the end of April. You know, we do these update episodes every four months. So we're I'm due for another one at the end of April, and I'll talk about it again there. But I, I, I told you last week that Daniel Villarreal had been found. And... I've still not heard specifically whether it was foul play or not, but I'm just going to give you the circumstances under which he was found. 
And you'll have to decide for yourselves, but I think that you're probably going to think like I do. But to remind all of you, Daniel Villarreal was with his girlfriend uh, in the Phoenix area. It's a disappearance covered fairly recently within the past year. And um, they were out, and this is her story anyway. He got into one car wreck, got into another car wreck, then ran off. And there was, of course, witnesses who saw him running off. And then the police showed up. The girl was there. She told him what happened. And, you know, he was kind of tracked through a neighborhood seemingly went over like this wall into like this concrete river, one of these canals or whatever that get run through that area, Glendale area. So the city doesn't get flooded. And then he was never seen again. He might also remember regarding that disappearance that his mother was fairly suspicious of some people who were hanging around her house. She thought that they were watching her house. She was very paranoid about, did these people have something to do with Daniel's uh, disappearance. And she even questioned really whether Daniel was even driving the car that day. Could it have been someone else? Well, Daniel Villarreal was found. And just like many of the other disappearances that have been solved on Unfound, where it was really by luck, this was by luck as well. Uh, And the circumstances are... I guess just as bizarre as some of the other ones we've heard, like Esther Westenbarger's, how her, she and her car were found. So here is the story. And like I said, at this point, um, I don't know if they've determined there was any foul play when they found his body, any stabbing marks, any strangulation marks, any bullet holes. I don't know. Here's the story, though. There was an, uh, an older woman, and she was living in a house not terribly far away from where Daniel's car ended up after being in that second wreck. Certainly not right down the street, but not on the other side of Phoenix either. I think it was within a mile or two of this uh, wreck site. And... For her house, she had a little, what they call a casita, kind of like a a spare little building uh, where somebody, I guess, could live, but it's very, very small. I can remember um, back in Las Vegas, this was a very popular thing on some houses, especially newer houses in upper scale neighborhoods. That, that it would be like a detached or maybe just semi-attached like guest bedroom or something like that. Great if, you know, if you're going to get into the Airbnb business, something. But I think this house probably, you know, built well before uh, Airbnb ever came along. But this casita had an outdoor bathroom. And, but the, but the plumbing or the toilet or something had gone bad on it, uh, a while ago. Well, this uh, woman, I guess, decided, this is the story. And I got this from Daniel's mother. This is what she sent me. That 
her son must have decided, I don't know if they're going to be selling the house. Did she have to move out of there? Is she so old? Maybe she has to go into some sort of care home or nursing home or something like that. I don't know. But um, finally decided to get this bathroom building in the backyard, wherever it was, fixed. And the thing is, though, it was locked and they couldn't figure out, couldn't get into it. And she didn't have a key. So what her son did was he took the door off the hinges to this off to this outdoor bathroom. And there was Daniel Villarreal inside this bathroom. Um, the, there were no windows in there. Of course, there was no air conditioning in this. And that is how Daniel Villarreal was found. And this just happened within the last couple of weeks. And like I said, uh, they, of course, have identified him. Of course, being that he was inside and, and everything, clothes and things fairly well preserved. Of course, once again, because he was in this building with the, with the door shut and everything, uh, no animals could get to him. So my guess is he was fairly well preserved. In addition, given that Arizona has very dry air like Las Vegas does, this is going to cause uh, the body to be preserved for a lot longer than it would be if it was here in Florida, if it were here in Florida or some other humid state. So that is how Daniel Villarreal was found. And, uh, you know, and I won't get into other things, you know, that his mother had asked me and everything else, but just, you know, I don't, I don't know. This is one of those things. Once again, we go back to, when we think about studying disappearances, learning about disappearances uh, somebody disappearing in a city area like he did, the Glendale area, Phoenix area. I don't know how you could just randomly pick out the idea that he would go into somebody's backyard. And of course, I'm thinking it wasn't foul play. But uh, I, I've not gotten any information from his mother, you know, whether that's been determined or not. But... How do you even make a calculation like that? I mean, who would really think that, okay, this person runs off and just happens to find a uh, some building in somebody's backyard and manages to get inside it and probably lock the door and then, you know, just happens to be that nobody really uses that building on and on and on. All these things have to line up just so perfectly for Daniel to not be found in a, in a very quick manner. So this is why I, I know that, you know, some of these disappearances that we think where people walked off or anything, it very well could be all of these other ones or many of them are unsolved just because 
the circumstances under which this person ended up where he or she is just are not predictable. They're just never, ever, ever predictable that we could ever um, even guess at that. I mean, who would think that there would be a building near there where the plumbing wouldn't be working and Daniel just would happen to find that place, hide in there or stumble in there. Of course, we're not sure if he was hiding or not, but certainly he was on the run after that wreck, but we just don't know how badly he was injured or anything. But, you know, what are the odds? But now that you hear where he was found, well, it's no wonder he wasn't found. It's no wonder that nobody saw him. It's no wonder that everybody riding around and going, you know, if they went door to door, putting out flyers and everything else, it's no wonder that nobody saw anything because he just happened to find a place that was the perfect circumstance for him to go in there and not be found for a long time. makes it so tough it makes it so so tough and we may say well this is another one where um you know it's on private property i'm not even gonna go there because as much as i have um complaints and critiques and criticism for the police there is no way that i would ever expect a police department to go door to door going through people's backyards, going into their sheds and and everything else. It's even, I can say that's too much work. Now, if it's right in the immediate area, like a block this way, block that way. Okay. But you get outside of that area. It just becomes totally unfeasible. It's just, just, it's just, it's just not worth it. It's just not going to, it's not, economically sound to do something like that and so i think we now know why daniel wasn't found the police aren't going to go door to door that like that even if they did if even if they had gone to that particular house and saw in the back that there's a little building there they would have gone back there they would have tried to open the door it's locked and the woman probably would have told him you know that's been locked for a long time and they'd be thinking well He couldn't get in here and then move on. It's just so unique, so odd. And, um, but this is what makes these, this is what makes these disappearances so difficult. Because I am inclined to believe in these particular disappearances where I, You know, I didn't think there was foul play that occurred in his uh, disappearance. But for many of these, I think they are like that. I think that they are situations where these people just end up in places that you would never think to look. And I don't mean like some of these disappearances where we think that people went into like a river, like the Mississippi River, like Jake Latchelet, Shane Fell, Ben Archer, people like that. I mean, the other ones where there wasn't a river around or something like Joshua Guimond. And I just brought him up at the beginning of the show tonight um, as uh, one of the revisitings that we did. Um, I think this is what happens in many of them. 
These people just end up in places that you just shake your head and you say, how did that even happen? Because that's how I feel about Daniel Villarreal. What what are the odds? I mean, I guess we could. My guess, if he was in his right mind, that he ran off, running down the street, saw this thing in the backyard, saw this little house in the backyard. He knows the police are going to be looking for him. I'll go hide in there, wait this out, and um, let it to all let it all blow over. But. Uh, might have been high, um, you know, uh, maybe had a head injury or something. Maybe he even fell asleep there and the, the heat just got to him. So that, uh, of course, if, if I hear anything more, if I hear that there were marks on him that he was beat up, if I hear that there were marks... Uh, any stabbings or it looks like foul play, I will, of course, let you know. But I've heard nothing about that since um, since his mother contacted me early last week. As you know, I talked about this last week, but I wasn't sure if I could come forward with some of the details. But now that his obituary is out there, out there I've seen it posted. I felt more comfortable about talking about it tonight. Um, But like I said, there are other things that uh, his mother asked me and some comments and things that I'm just not going to get into now. But you always want to know if any of Unfound's disappearances have been solved, if anybody's been found. Uh, And I'm telling you that Daniel Villarreal has been found. And that, I should say, that ends... That ends a pretty long streak of unfound missing people not being found. Um, I think the last one where remains were found was, let me look in here very quickly. Um, I think Ashley Simpson. No, the other Ashley Simpson. You know, the disappearance from Canada. I think that was the last disappearance in which remains were found. I mean, that's going back a while. I mean, we've had updates and things, but as far as remains being found, whether foul play, suicide, or whatever, it's been a while. Uh, You know, so why that is, I don't know. For a while there, it just seems like this was happening like every month. There was... Aster Westenbarger, Zoe Campos, uh, some others, Robbie Hurt. And then for the last half of 2022 and into 23, it's been complete silence. So I guess it just comes and goes. I guess, I guess, it, you know, I don't know what we should expect as far as an average goes, but uh, maybe things are bouncing back now. Uh, I really don't know. So the disappearance of Daniel Villarreal, Daniel has been found. I'm inclined to believe there was not foul play. However, if I hear differently, if there are facts to uh, think differently, I will let you know. Uh, Right now, I want to remind all of you once again to give this live show for March 13th, 2023, a thumbs up. Can you do that for me? Please do that. Like it, share it. I'd appreciate it. 
I know a lot of people have gotten in here while I was, um, Marty, how are you? Uh, everything, everything's good. Everything. Okay. Good to hear. Marty, how are you? Um, people talking about Marty's kids. Leah, what's going on with you? Um, Sarah says it's okay. Sarah, I'm the only one that's not allowed to be late. Uh, Kathy says about Daniel probably feeling feeling ill, paranoid from drugs and heat. I think so too, Kathy. Yeah, everything it is very sad, but this is what every family's trying to find out. It's just very, very bittersweet. Uh, Suzanne says, wow, I never thought Daniel would be found like that. I thought the woods maybe. Um, not a lot of woods, uh, you know, in that area as far as I remember, Suzanne. Um, I guess I was holding out that he was hiding out somewhere, but the longer it goes, the less likely it is. Uh, Rockford says, escape and lay low, plan gone awry. I think so. Sounds like something that could have happened to Sarno, the Boston bomber, had he found a shed instead of a boat. I remember going back to that. Lisa, I feel like Greg, oh, Greg going back to Greg Brooks, had a picnic with his crystal burgers because the trash wasn't there, but the cigar wrapper was. And someone took his car, mental break. I could see him parking on the median. Okay, Lisa. Yeah, uh, Lisa, it's kind of, like I said at the beginning, kind of a split decision for Greg Brooks's disappearance. Uh, everybody, just about everybody in the discussion group thought that uh, somebody else put his car there. And everybody in the think tank thought Greg put his car there. That's how it works out sometimes. Rockford, agree with you. It's a possibility for Gimana. I think about Tyler Davis as a candidate for that too. Uh, Kathy, this is the last unfound disappearance to be found. Yep, November 2021. Thank you for looking into that, Kathy. <clears throat> so, um, very sad. All right, moving on. Uh, very quickly, uh, there was a disappearance. Uh, I did not print out anything to read, or but I did post something in the group on Facebook. There was a man who went missing. His name was Christopher Teal, T-E-E-L. And that is a disappearance that unfound. Man, it's, it seems like yesterday, but I'm going to, man. I'm thinking that's a disappearance that we almost covered back when I still lived in Madeira Beach. So that would have been back early 2019 or earlier. That's how far back I think that goes. But we almost covered his disappearance, but we ran into um, some issues regarding names. And then in the end, what I think it might have been his sister who I talked to. I can even look that up. Yes, I do have these things uh, ready at a moment's notice. Although... Let me see who I spoke to regarding his disappearance way back then. I have him in order, too. Let me see here. Yeah, this is going back a while. Hold on just one minute. Should have done this before. Christopher Teal, Christopher Teal, Christopher Teal. can't find him in the list. Just when I have to find it, I can't find it. Hate when that happens. I can't find it. I think it was his sister, but it's a disappearance. I think they went to like a, a casino and then he went missing something like that. Well, he has been found. Uh, 
And this is a disappearance uh, that kind of was on my list. Maybe if it had gone on uh, longer, maybe I might have gotten back in touch with his family or something. But I tried to interview, like I said, I think it was his sister or his mother uh, about his disappearance. But they kind of backed out at the last second. Had to do with... They really want to go on the record with all of this, and they had some fear involved and a bunch of things put together. So if you've seen this disappearance, uh, noted that uh, he was found somehow, and like I said, I did not print out every uh, anything to read for it tonight. Uh, he was found somehow, and um, I know that I'm going to look uh, a little deeper into that, and I know that I'm going to go back and look at my notes from the conversation I had with his family and see how that matches up with whatever the result is. It seems to me that there was no foul play in his disappearance. And I think I vaguely remember thinking that back at the time. So if you want to check that out, you know, um, if you run across the name Christopher Teal, uh, that is a disappearance that unfound almost covered maybe kind of like, uh, last week when I talked about Ashley Morris um, Mullis or Mullis Morris, where uh, she, of course, is still missing. But we talked about how her son is now uh, with the proper people instead of getting kidnapped like the son did. Uh, I still hold out hope that we might cover that disappearance one of these days. Maybe I'll get her father to come on. But um I've been talking to him for a while and he has not uh, said yes. Although we've had some conversations even just recently when all this law stuff started that I talked about last week. So um, as you can tell, I never forget people who I talk to. It seems like these, uh, these disappearances people talk to are forever etched on my mind. And um, cause you never know. Um, some people, maybe I'll talk to them and they're not ready to do that, but I always keep their information. I keep the notes and once in a while, I'll just email them out of the blue and say, hey, I'm still thinking about you. I'm still thinking about your missing loved one. Still love to talk to you. And that's how sometimes some of these people end up on Unfound. Uh, of course, I usually let all of you know uh, if this is somebody that I've been talking to quite a while, but um I always want to keep the communication lines open. Uh, Karen, hello, Karen. Finally off shift when you on ran home from shift to turn on your show. At hello from Canada. Well, thank you, Karen. I I, I I hope you didn't break any laws getting home so quickly. Uh, where are you coming uh, to us from, Karen? That's horrible English, but uh, where are you in Canada? You'll have to remind me maybe. Karen, you've probably told me before, and I, I apologize if I forget, but maybe we'd like to all know that. Moving on, what do I want to talk about next? Um, have you gone to the new merchandise stop uh, store? Have you gone there yet? I know it's just in the infancy. It's maybe been open for about a month, not even that yet unfound-podcast.myspreadshop.com. I'd really appreciate it. We go over there, see if you, anything uh, is to your liking. 
and please do not hesitate to purchase something. It certainly would help what we do here. Once again, unfound-podcast.myspreadshop.com. Karen says, Toronto near Fishing Old Rice Lake. Of course, Karen. Yeah, I haven't been there in a few years. Last time I was there was September 2019. And of course, COVID and everything uh, hit. But I don't know um, if we'll be going up there again anytime soon, Karen. Of course, my father, although he can drive to Florida just fine, get a little nervous getting out there in the middle of nowhere at Rice Lake uh, should he have any medical issues or something. So that is uh, a concern that he has. It's a concern I have. But it is beautiful up there. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of great stories from up there. Uh, Paula says, I did my water bottle. We'll be here next week. Water. Always, uh, great. Uh, I'm glad Unfound can help you stay hydrated, Paula. Rockford, speaking of Toronto area, I wonder if you've kept in touch with Bruce Ricketts. He's one of my favorite Unfound guests of all time, is he? Uh, I know that he posted something in the group recently, Rockford. He's still, um, of course, he's going to be probably working on that. Uh, until he finds out what happened to the Pickering Six. Uh, I think everybody could tell he continues to think that there was some sort of conspiracy, cover-up, murder-type uh, situation that happened. I, of course, do not think that, but that doesn't mean... Uh, I, I hope you'll go check out everything that he does. And that's why posting the in the group or wherever else, uh, you know, whenever he wants... And if he were ever to email me or something, happy to talk to him. As all of you know, even though I may think differently uh, than my guests do, I'm still here to help. Uh, yeah, that's great, Paula. Twinkle says, Karen, have you bumped into Goldie Hawn and Kurt? They have a home there. I have not. <laughs> if not, that would be cool, though. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of both of them, uh, Karen. Big fan of both. All right, so the merchandise store, unfound-podcast.myshopify.com. Something else uh, that has just happened within the last couple days. Um, somebody has stepped up to uh, be the new website master. And I'm very excited about this. Uh, the, the website, I, I have no problems posting anything. I can put a lot of files there, pictures there, links there uh, to this YouTube uh, channel and to all the episodes and, and everything. But when it comes to design with WordPress and everything, I, I I need to know a lot more than I do, and I don't have the time to learn. So it's really just been a thing of me managing it, just posting things there. But the person who's going to be doing it uh, is the person who originally came to me a couple months ago and said, you know, Ed, that website really needs some help. And I I don't know if he was just maybe a little hesitant at the time or whatever to just volunteer. But that's what got me started asking for somebody. And really, I, I made that post. I think I even said something in an episode and I really didn't have anybody who contacted me. And then yesterday morning, um, this guy contacted me again, and I guess he decided he was up to it. And he has some programming website experience, programming experience and everything. And I've known him for quite a while. 
Uh, he's a Patreon supporter, at least was at one time. He's contributed to the show. And uh, we've, we've had a lot of talk like about music and things. So we have a new person who's going to give uh, it a shot to take care of the website, redesign it. And we'll see where that goes. I'm very excited to see what happens. Uh, as you all know, maybe from a few years ago, I had an assistant, Natasha, who, by the way, I just spoke to Natasha recently. She's doing great. It was great to catch up with her a little bit. She's doing fine. And, uh, you know, she would, of course, post everything to the website and really manage it. But even she, nothing against her, uh, was not much of a designer or anything. She could do fine with the, the YouTube channel, but what came to WordPress and everything, not really her forte, not my forte. Um, but she always posted on there, was very reliable and everything, and I always appreciated that about her. But I, 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 I'm thinking that we finally have somebody that I can do the posting as long as somebody can just kind of uh, update it and make it look a little nicer. So we'll see how that goes. And, of course, the website is theunfoundpodcast.com. Uh, Mark, for your revisited show, you should consider the young guy from Conroe, Texas, that disappeared after a bar night. Both parents worked for school system, two of his brothers. That's T.J. Murray, Mark. And the thing about that one, Mark, is that it's probably just a little too recent. I, I'm not saying I couldn't revisit it maybe in 2025 or something, but it's probably just a little too recent to be revisited. If you go back and start looking at the the episodes uh, that we've revisited, um, really they are 2018, ones that we've covered in 2018 or earlier. So Tom Brown, summer of 2018, Greg Brown, uh, Greg Brooks, February of 2018, Joshua Guimon, January of 2016. Robin Abrams, November of 2016. Um, Jason Jolkowski, one of the first episodes ever. So TJ's is probably just a little too new right now. But uh, of course, if Unfound goes long enough, then all the episodes we're going to be we're doing right now will end up being old, and that will always give us opportunities to take another look at them somewhere down the road. Don't remember his name, but I always thought he stumbled in some place and became encasted. It's a good comparison to Greg Brooks's Mark. Certainly. Uh, certainly. And that's particularly what I believe. Uh, his family thinks differently. But certainly that's where my mind went with TJ's disappearance. But he did slap a woman that night. He could have ticked some people off. I guess it's possible, but that's, Mark, just so you know, that is the standard that to revisit an episode, it has to be, you know, going back, uh, like before 2019, at least, at least, but thank you for the suggestion. Uh, moving on. I want to talk about uh, the flight 370 documentary. Uh, if you have Netflix, have you watched it? It's three uh, episodes, both all about an hour long. I watched it as soon as it became available on Netflix last Wednesday, I think it was. And I have to admit, I did not realize that Jeff, Jeff Wise, former guest of Unfound, 
would uh, play such a prominent role in it. Of course, a lot of different people did. Um, family members of the missing who were on the jet. Um, some other airline people like Mike Exner, who he and Jeff were together for a while. And then I think Mike Exner started thinking Jeff was crazy. So a lot of different people were interviewed. The guy that has found these parts that are allegedly from Flight 370, he got interviewed and he got to plead his case that he's not a Russian spy and everything. You know how I feel about these things when it comes to true crime stuff and that it's a lot of it is sensationalized and they try to create boogeymen where there aren't any boogeymen. My opinion is that this documentary, this three-part series, three hours, played it as straight as you could possibly do. And I give the producers, the people who put that documentary together, the series together, all the credit in the world. All the credit in the world. Um, Now, I realize that For example, some people think Jeff Wise is crazy, thinking that um, that the plane got hijacked and there was fiddling around with the computers and everything else. And in fact, there was somebody even in Unfound's own discussion group who wrote, I can't believe you interviewed that conspiracy theorist, uh, Jeff Wise. I can't believe something to the effect, I can't believe you you allowed him on or or, um, propped him up or something like that. I can't believe you did that. That is a comment I don't understand. First of all, um, everybody should know that a lot of the guests, even though we don't get into theories, but I think many times you can read between the lines of what guests are thinking about their own personal disappearance, the reason that they're on unfound. And I will admit some of those theories are a little out there. And I've said over and over again that a lot of times I do not agree with my guests when it comes to what they think happened. And I will do my best to try to change their mind, but I'm not going to argue with them. And I will even go as far as to say there have been people who I've talked to. And the reason they didn't come on Unfound, I, I had this happen within the last year. A one prominently that I'm thinking of where I did a lot of work on this disappearance looking into things and everything, but the people would not come on the, would not be interviewed because I didn't agree with them. That's why that happened. I don't get it, but that's what happened. They wanted me to agree with them. Even they didn't think I, you know, I don't know, but so you should understand. I have a lot of people on unfound who have theories about their own disappearances that are a little out there. Maybe not obvious to you because I don't allow them to really talk about that stuff. But maybe, like I said, maybe sometimes you can read between the lines. So Jeff Wise being on Unfound should not surprise anybody, even though that was very early on in Unfound's existence. Um, Now, you should know that even on the day that it came out, I had, and I'm not going to get into what we talked about, but maybe a little bit, but I actually had several back and forths with Jeff Wise on the very day that the documentary came out. 
And he's, he is just as good a guy that you see on that documentary as I know him behind the scenes. Now, there may be some, uh, you know, regarding his theory, I think that I, you know, I have been very honest with him in telling him that, you know, there are some things about your theory that don't make any sense to me. But what I respect about Jeff is that from the from day one, he has been more right than anybody else. When he started looking into it for himself, and you have to understand something, Jeff Wise did not get involved in Flight 370 because it, he was drawn to it. Drawn to it. You go back and look at a lot of air crash investigation series and Mayday series. He was being interviewed about plane crashes well before Flight 370 ever happened. He's very, very well regarded within the aviation industry. And he really put his uh, reputation on the line by going in a, in a bit of a dire- different direction than most people in the aviation industry. But from day one, when he started looking at it and looking at it as objectively as he had looked at all of these other crashes where he had been interviewed and written about them and everything else, he's still the only person who is right. He said early on, I don't think you're going to find that jet in the Indian Ocean. They're going to go down there. They're going to spend all these millions of dollars, all this sonar equipment, all these boats, all these people, all these experts. I don't think they're going to find anything. Everybody laughed at Jeff. And he's still the only one that's right. Meanwhile, they're making fun of him, even though they're wrong so far. I, I would, you know, you would think with Mike Exner and some of these other people who have uh, made fun of Jeff that they would be a little more modest, being that they've been wrong. You'd think. Now, it very well may be that someday they prove that Flight 370 ended up in the Indian Ocean and Jeff could be completely wrong. But that today, that day is not today. Um, what also struck me about, and I told this is one thing I can say that I did tell to Jeff, because I think all of you will find it interesting too, and plus it's my original idea. It is amazing to me how Flight 370, just the overall disappearance, is so much like a disappearance we cover on Unfound every week of an individual. It is amazing. So many similarities. So many similarities. You have inept government, inept law enforcement, uh, people coming out of the woodwork with theories that are certainly crazier than Jeff Wise's. I mean, they put that in the documentary. You know, these YouTube channels, these these uh, opportunists, these sensationalists with aliens and psychics and everything else, the use of data and trying, you know, GPS and trying to figure out where people are. Of course, they're trying to figure out where the plane is, competing theories and everything. It is amazing to me how it is so much just like an everyday disappearance, like Greg Brooks's disappearance or Tom Brown's disappearance or Ashley Kohler's disappearance, Ashley uh, Simpson's disappearance. So many uh, individual disappearance, disappearances of individuals that we've covered, just like this high-tech jet, this Boeing 777 
flying to China and then disappearing. Everything that has gone on since then, it is amazing how much it's so alike. And what it tells me, and I think this is something we have to remember, that the issues we run into when we are um, looking at disappearances and these weird things, why didn't law enforcement take it seriously? Why did this is not necessarily a dis, this is not something particular to uh, a county, a state, a country, a continent, or anything else. This is just what happens when humans get involved. That's the only thing that can explain how much. There are so many similarities by this huge worldwide phenomenon of this plane going missing with all these people on it. And then it being so similar to the investigation of just one person going missing. And, and, you know, whether their car is being left over there in Ruskin or any other disappearance uh, that we've covered. It is amazing to me. That's what I found. I don't know if the average person's going to realize that, but as a person who does this full time, it's I didn't pick it up right away, but maybe like sometime in the second episode, I was thinking, man, this is so much like what, what we're doing here every week. It's so weird. It's so crazy. Uh, let's see what some people uh, are saying here. Uh, Paula says she finished it today. Mark going back. I feel fa- terrible for the family and the multiple losses and TJ Murray family. I, I know, Mark. I know. Horrible. The Real says, yep, watched it all. Yeah, it's uh, big news for Australia, being that they believe that the, the jet's down in the Indian Ocean. That's like, huge news in Australia. Uh, Karen says, did you guys in the U.S. change time again? I'm late. Uh, yeah, we uh, moved our clocks ahead an hour, Karen. At least we did here in Florida and most of the country. Yeah. Uh, hello, Ashley. How are you? Karen, I really appreciate your books and would love to represent them by reading them aloud. Um, Karen says, I really appreciate. Well, if I ever get back to making any more books, Karen, um, I uh, will let you know. It's just something that is so far in the back on the back burner at this point uh, that uh, you can't even see it. That's the, the stove is huge and it's on the back burner and the back burner is way back there. For a lot of different reasons. Uh, I appreciate uh, the offer, Karen. Um, but I just don't know when I'm going to be able to get back to that, if ever. The only way the books are going to happen is if I can find somebody I can trust to put them together. Because I just do not have the time. There's too many things going on. Rockford, in true crime, I find I learn more from those whom I disagree with. Yeah, Reggie and I don't agree on Fleischman, but she's improved my thinking by challenging it. Yeah, and I would like to think that uh, some of the conversations Reggie and I have certainly helped her hone her uh, insight into Kyle's disappearance as well. And you're probably right. Uh, Of course, there is the saying, Rockford, we we learn more when we lose than when we win. Mark, I've tried to talk myself into a cyber hijacking theory, or maybe somebody actually landed the plane somewhere in the Middle East, but I can't seem to put that type of story together in my mind. Uh, Mark, I'm wondering if you uh, ever got either of Jeff's books. Maybe that might help you. I'm not pushing a theory. Um, and like I said, I've given Jeff as much crap, you know, about some flaws and things uh, as anybody. But like I said, I, I, um, I'm here to support him. And, and like I said, I... Um, 
you know, I still have respect for him because he's stuck to his theory uh, against a lot of opposition. Um, but you might want to check out one of his books, even if you just download it on Audible or something, Mark. And, um, you know, he has two books out. I'm not telling you you have to get both of them. But you should at least get one of them, maybe the first one. And, uh, you know, he goes through it all in there. We didn't really get that deep into it. In the uh, interview I did with him in 2017, because he had written the book, and I don't want to ruin it for him. You know, we want we would like people to. I don't get anything from that, by the way. I would like him to say he wrote the book so he could sell it. Uh, I, w- I wanted to help him do that, um, but we didn't give, want to give too much away. In addition, some of the stuff he gets into in his book, uh, in both books, are fairly technical, and I didn't want all the listeners back then, you know, eyes to be spinning round and round and round. So, um, but you should check it out. Uh, Cherie agrees with Rockford about sometimes when more people from people who don't think like we do. Deborah says, I'm way late, I guess, here in Arizona, no time change. Well, yeah, Deborah, uh, it's now 10.03 p.m. Eastern. So sorry about that. The good thing is you could go back and catch the replay. The Raw Australia spent on an extraordinary amount of money and resources looking for Flight 370. I'm not sure of the exact figure. It's a huge number. Huge number, the real. Mark, I did not read his books, but I absolutely need to look into them. I'm sure they're fascinating. They are. And they're very well explained given the technical data and understanding pings and all of that stuff. I think he does a really good job uh, explaining it. Now, granted, I'm into plane crashes and things like that. So maybe it comes to me a little easier than the average layperson. But I think he does a good job. Karen. Where was it found? So interesting. Is that had a guest speaker on that story, which was a, a uh, which was a great forum. Well, if you're talking about uh, the plane, it hasn't been found yet. But one more thing, I do want to mention. By the way, it is on Netflix. If anybody's wondering, regarding the, the parts that have been found there on the east side of Africa, you know, the the Western Indian Ocean being, you know, the, this flapper and part of this and part of the wing and, and everything. And this seems to have a lot of people convinced that went into the water and finally those parts ended up there. You know what's interesting to me about all of that? I mean, what are the odds? We have to remember, you go back and look at Flight 370 or any of Malaysian Airlines jets at the time. They have these long orange and blue stripes along each side. And of course, Boeing 77 is not a small airplane. Pretty big. Uh, the only jets bigger than it in common use are the 747 and the Airbus 340. It's a pretty, pretty big airplane. Carry a lot of, carry a lot of people. Pretty big. That's a lot of paint on that jet. The blue and orange stripes the whole way back from the nose to the tail. And then it's the the Malaysian Airlines logo on each side of the tail, like every airline has. What are the odds that all of the parts that ended up splashing up there in Africa, not one of them is from a part of the plane that has any Malaysian airline paint on it? No blue, no orange. Just generic parts being found on those beaches. What are the odds of all that orange and blue paint 
Not one part of the plane that had that on it has been found. Very, very, very interesting. And I brought that up to Jeff. I think he thinks the same way. Uh, everything you downloaded his book. Uh, excellent. Everything. Thank you. Uh, I find plane disappearances sad, but extremely interesting. Me too, Karen. Um, for sure. Mark, Malaysian Airlines does not exactly have a stellar record when it comes to safety as well. Well, um, I don't know about that, Mark. I mean, you know, maybe they've had some things that have gone on since that. Of course, we know the the, the jet that got shot down. But is it as safe as like the airlines in the United States? Maybe not, but I think Malaysian Airlines is fairly well regarded. Fairly well. So, um, and of course, nobody is thinking this was some catastrophic failure or anything. So, I'll have to watch it. Sounds very interesting. You got to watch it, Leah. I think they do a good job. And by the way, do I think that that Blaine guy who's found those parts is um, a con man? I do. Um, you know, I'm perfectly open to the idea that he's being duped. Somebody is, you know, knows that he's out there looking for this stuff. And so somebody is, you know, a, 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 you know, um, you know, egging him along, making him feel like he, I'm totally open to all of that. The big problem with that Blaine guy is he's the last kind of guy that you would want involved in something like this. He's a total glory hound. You just, you can tell that from all the pictures and how he's talking in this series and everything else. There's no modesty to him. There's nothing like, you know what? I'm just trying to help out. It's, you know, he must be related to the Kardashians. You know, the dangerous place in this world is, uh, the most dangerous place in this world is between him and a microphone or camera. You, we could just tell that. And so that is also on top of everything else uh, makes me suspect that this is not as everybody seems. Uh, it, it, it's not as everybody thinks. It's not as it seems. There's something going on here. I mean, you know, and, and him being like that, and everything just adds uh, to, to the mystery uh, of it. Just, he just doesn't, just seems like a fairly surly, you know, fly-by-night, uh, used car salesman type of guy. And I can say that even though I was a used car salesman at the time, my family was in the car business. So when I say that, I can say it with some, um, you know, uh, you know, laughing at myself as well. But um, you just like it a lot more if he was just a more up-and-up, stand-up type of person. And you just... Do not get that. Of course, Jeff looked into his background and found some things. And I don't know. You know, it, you know I don't even know, need to know any of that stuff that he could be connected to Russia and everything. I don't need to know any of that. Just his behavior, just all the mugging for the camera. And look at me, look at me, look at me. That's enough for me to be suspicious of the whole thing. Um. Okay, Paul, he sure used me and I often. I know. 
the real Australians use Malaysia Airlines quite a lot. So we're familiar with the brand. I would have no misgivings about flying with them before this happened. Last thing we expected. And Jill is here. Thank you, Jill. Thanks for showing up. So if you have Netflix, I definitely recommend that. You may be saying, oh, man, I'm really not into plane crashes or plane disappearances and everything else. It's really well done. Uh, they did use, you know, I don't like recreations and things, but, you know, I've heard, you've heard me talk about that before, but it was pretty good. They gave Jess a fair, Je- uh, Jeff a fair shake in his opinions. They gave the Blaine guy a fair shake. They gave Mike, Mike Exner, who has more of a more um, run-of-the-mill theory about, yes, it did end up in the southern uh, Indian Ocean. They gave a fair shake to this woman who um, said she could see parts of the plane way up there where it went first missing, where it went off radar. Uh, they got into this idea that the United States covered the whole thing up, which I think is fairly crazy. Um, they didn't go too crazy in any direction. They let people have their say. And I thought it was as about straight down the line as you can do uh, for a mystery like this one. So check it out. Uh, moving on. Uh, last uh, Tuesday, I made the most recent Unfound Now public for everybody. And just like happened a few months ago, uh, this is a disappearance that got solved before it could get to all uh, to the public, and that was the disappearance of John Tipton from Sevierville, Tennessee. He was at work. He went uh, to get something to eat, and then he ended up leaving his car in a parking lot right by this river and was never seen again. Uh, if you've watched the Unfound and Now episode that is now on this channel, available for public perusal, um. I pretty much made the prediction that pretty sure he went to the river. Well, that's where he was found. Very sad. Why it happened, I don't know. We'll ever know if we'll ever know. I just like Greg Brooks and others. This guy, uh, this young man, John Tipton, he went somewhere in whatever he ordered. He went to a Waffle House or something, and he didn't eat everything that he ordered. He took a to-go bag, and then he promptly drove right up the street parked his vehicle, and then seemingly jumped into the river. I don't know how you make sense of that. Um, And, you know, these unfound nows uh, really don't know a lot about these missing people. There isn't much out there to find out about their personal lives. So that really makes it difficult when you know that I think disappearance are all about people. Even with Bowman, his disappearance that we covered a couple weeks ago when the unfound now came out last year, that I really didn't know a ton about Bowman. I really didn't get to know him until I interviewed his mother. So I don't know what was going on with this young man, John Tipton. It's very sad, but he was found uh, deceased. So, and that's, I did post that. I did pin that comment for that episode in the comments section. If anybody's wondering, why did he do this? And then he was found, well, I recorded it and it became available for Patreon members and members of this channel uh, before his remains were found. And then it was in the process between that happening and then it becoming public is when John's uh, remains were found. Very sad. Rockford, watch the Tipton episode. Very well done. Yeah, it reminded me of Brooks' last meal and then missing close to a body of water. Yeah. 
Karen says the num- does not make sense. I agree with you, Karen. I agree with you. I, I, I don't know. Uh, moving on. Uh, I want to talk about, just as a Nathan Millard follow-up, I made the prediction last week when I talked about it that even though I know a lot of people think it's going to be foul play, I made the prediction that it wasn't foul play, and the news is now out for Nathan Millard, who disappeared, that um, even though he'd been, it was wrapped in a rug and plastic and everything else, the coroner could not find no signs of foul play on him. And probably, like I said, I think that's a surprise to a lot of people. Well, he's a guy there in business. I mean, he had to have gotten, he had to have gotten abducted and he had, somebody had to have ripped, wrapped him in plastic and wrapped him. This had to have happened. And to which I say, it had, didn't have to happen at all. It didn't have to happen at all. And really, one of the reasons, like I said, this is one of those issues, I don't know what was going on in Nathan Millard's life. Uh, Something was going on. But would somebody who, uh, who attacked him on the street just, you know, really wrap him up in plastic and a rug and leave him somewhere? If they really want to get away with it, why didn't they just dump them in a dumpster? Remember, we we have a tough time predicting what missing people, like we just got through talking about John Tipton. Why he did what he did, we're never going to know. I don't know. I just don't think we'll never know. Same way with Nathan Miller. We're not going to know why he was stumbling along, you know, by himself. And But here's what I think I know about people who like people. What I think I know is, People like to get away with crimes. They don't like to get caught. Do they make mistakes? Do they cut corners and everything? But no, yes. And that causes them to get caught. But nobody wants to get caught. So, um, you know, I, I, I mean, are we really supposed to think that they did this to him and then went looking for plastic and a rug? That seems a lot outrageous to me. Um, Try to keep my eyes on it. Try to find out uh, what happened to him. I don't know if I think somebody might have been posted somewhere that there was an overdose. Did he have a drug problem? I don't know. So, but I made the prediction last week. I don't think this is going to be foul play. A couple of days later comes out, coroner, police are saying, you know, we don't think that this was foul play. And I guess I'm in the minority of not being uh, surprised. Uh, does not make sense. Rockford, Ronald McNutt, and Trevor Nichols, the same, right? Karen, I so appreciate your predictions, point of views. Thanks, Karen. Kathy, Rockford, although Ronald and Trevor didn't go into a body of water. Yeah. Karen, so strange. Water tracks. Yeah, I... Just don't know. I Maybe one of these days, Karen will understand that. Maybe we will. I think Miller got ahead of steam at the bar, went looking to keep the party going, and pushed the envelope too far. Very well may be, Rockford. Uh, like I said, this is, uh, what do I say, Rockford? Disappearances are about people. I think we need to know more about Nathan Miller, the, Miller, the person, and less about you know, may, what went on that night. Um, 
What if we were to find out that Nathan had been struggling with some things? What if we were to find out that, yes, he did have a drug problem or a drinking problem or something like this? This would then take us further and further away from a foul play scenario. On the other hand, if we were to find out he's like the most straight-laced guy ever, even more straight-laced than I am, ha, 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 um, then, you know, we might go in in the direction of foul play. But what are we supposed to do when a corner takes a look at the body that's been in, that's been in this, uh, you know, in this back alley or whatever it was for not even that long. It's not like Tom, you know, it's not like Tom Brown where only 30% of him was found. All of Nathan Millard was found. And very quickly, if the corner's any good, this should be pretty straightforward. Too many alcohol and drug disappearances. Uh, they are both killers, Karen, no doubt. So Nathan Millard, very sad. Father married. Business trip gone wrong. Business trip gone wrong. Guy gets out of town. Maybe he has some family stresses going on. Uh, you know, his wife's not around. Kid's not around. Hasn't been like that for a while. Wants to, quote unquote, uh not literally, but figuratively let his hair down or whatever else and goes too far. Moving on. Uh, I know it's been a while, but Dr. Telesco and I will be having another show, not this Thursday, but next Thursday. And I don't think that I want to uh, reveal what we'll be talking about uh, yet, but we, we will not be an unfound disappearance, but it will be a disappearance that was recently solved. And so I've had to kind of brush up on the disappearance, learn a little bit about it, um, and uh, go to some satellite photos and some things. And I did that all today, sent it all over to her. And so make sure that uh, next Thursday, that would be March 23rd, at 7 p.m. Eastern, you are all ready to hear uh, myself and Dr. Telesco together. Uh, again, of course, we did a show back in January, but it seems like forever ago. So, um, but this was her suggestion, and I don't want to give too much away, but uh, there's a reason uh, that she wanted to cover this disappearance that will become very obvious once uh, you find out uh, the circumstances and where it happened and everything else. Um, what do I want to move on to now? Um, uh, it's only March. What's today? March 13th. I will, before the end of the month, I will be sending out another survey. So if you're on the mailing, mailing list, please be looking for it. It's not going to be tomorrow. Probably won't even be this weekend. Maybe like next weekend, like, the 24th or maybe before then somewhere it's not going to be tomorrow, maybe within the next week and a half. Anyway, um, if you'd like to take part in one of these surveys, uh, that's how I'm using the email list. Now, please email me at unfoundpodcast@gmail.com, and you can be on, uh, get in on these surveys that I'm taking and I'm using them to really understand all of you better. You know, how are you finding Unfound? When do you listen to it? On what platform do you listen to it? Do you listen to the episodes all at one time? Does it take you a couple days? Does it take you a week? 
Um, I'm trying to learn a lot about you, the audience, so I can better serve all of you and just kind of get in your heads to see what makes all of you tick. And the first survey, I think, went really well for – that's the first time I've ever put together something like that. But in the discussion I had with my assistant, uh, Cherie, who, of course, is the moderator for this live show, and assistant Eric – there are just some questions that really left more questions than answers. So I'm really going to concentrate on those particular topics for the next survey. In addition, adding in uh, some new questions and also give all of you an opportunity to, uh, if I can in the survey, uh, just kind of a blank, you know, part in it for any further comments or something. That's something I did not do the first time around. So, um, um, Rockford says, I have a lot of friends in the bar industry, the stories and things I've witnessed about men on business traps. Yeah. Just don't know. I, I have to, as a guy, uh, I just, I have to admit, I really don't understand that stuff. Maybe it's because I'm not married. Maybe it's because I don't have kids. Maybe, 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 but that's just, I don't know. You know, I've gone on, you know, it's been a while since I technically went on a real vacation. It's, it's been a while. Um, but even when I used to do those things, um, I don't know. Karen, what were your predictions about Tom? You mean Tom Brown, Karen? Is that what you mean, Tom? I can only imagine Rock Karen from following your podcast. I find you get more views after you go live. Mm-hmm. Okay, Karen. Thank you. Maybe some more questions about the live show in the next survey. We'll see. Rock Karen is mostly comical. It's frequently annoying. It's very tragic. The freedom of being out of town doesn't bring out the best in everyone. You know, you just wonder then start wondering who these people really are. You know, they're one person um at home and they're another person at work and they're another person on vacation how do they keep all of this straight i don't know uh stephanie says i was watching a travel live stream last year walking near a body of water after dinner and drinks he went too close to the edge viewers warned him turned out okay showed me how this stuff happens yep uh karen says tom brown your predictions please uh karen you are trying to get me in trouble uh I will admit, Karen, early on that I thought there was foul play. Uh, these days, I do not think there was foul play. But I certainly do not believe that his family had anything to do with his death. That's where I am. But that's not always what I've thought, to be honest with you, Karen. Once again, this is one of those things that has changed over time, doing, given that uh, I have a responsibility to understand these disappearances as well as possible. Um. And Shree's uh, saying, I guess you're thinking about Nathan. That's why I'm thinking this wasn't his first for us. So Shree is thinking this might have been modus operandi for Nathan Millard when he went out of town. And this is the time he finally uh, went a little too far. That's an interesting thought, Shree. I'd not even um, entertained that idea. That's um, it's very interesting. I think that's uh, – I think, Shree, this is also what I'm saying. We need to know more about Nathan, the person, not Nathan, the guy who goes on business trips. So, yeah, that's a really good point. 
Karen, I just couldn't fathom him saying, well, we can't fathom a lot of people doing that, Karen. Um, but people do. Like I just talked about, John Tipton is at work. He works at Krispy Kreme. He goes to somewhere to eat, doesn't finish everything he's eating, takes a to-go box for whatever reason, then he drives right up the street and seemingly goes into the river. I don't know. If I ever have any insights into any of that, Karen, I'll, I'll surely tell all of you. Um, uh, Rockford's agreeing with Sheree. Okay. Uh, let's move on to this. I want to answer this question real quickly, and then uh, I got a couple things to talk about. Uh, a few more things. Uh, Lisa, who got in here really early. Lisa, are you still here? She asked me, where did I get the music? for uh the unfound episodes to play on every friday well it's the same place i got the if you listen to this live show as a podcast i put music to it when it gets to spotify and itunes it's the same place it's pond five pond five p-o-n-d five it's a license free music site any type of music you ever want to hear you can find it there all by musicians who aren't famous or anything like that. They just make these little jingles, little instrumentals or whatever for a couple minutes and they put them up there and people can buy them. And then when you buy them, you can use that music forever for whatever you want, as long as you're not using that music itself and claiming it's yours and saying, selling it to people yourself. Um, this is a big business for some musicians because there are a lot of, uh, of course, podcasts and YouTube shows and everything that need music. And getting uh, permission f uh, from musicians like Iron Maiden or whatever is impossible. So that's what these people do. And uh, I've been using the music uh, that we use now since the early early 2018. Uh, before that, I was doing something that I should not have been doing. I was using the intro to an Iron Maiden song called, called The Great Unknown off of their Book of Souls album, which came out the same year or the year before Unfound started. But then I finally uh, got licensed free music, and that is now the music uh, that you hear at the beginning and the end of the podcast. It's just, you just start listening to music. You find something you like and you buy it. And the good thing is 25 bucks and the music's yours. Even cheaper, five bucks, 10 bucks. Just depends. I really, I, I have to admit, I don't even remember what I spent for the music, uh, that we used for Unfound. Now I, I'm guessing it wasn't a lot. Same way with the music for this, um, for this live show, when I turn it into a podcast after this live show's over every night, every Monday night, same thing. Got it off Pond 5. And um, that's how it happened. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. You know, I really don't remember uh, how many different types of music I went through, little tunes I went through before I found the one on Pond 5 that I liked in early 2018. I really cannot remember that. But I still like it, so um, and it's never going to change. 
I'm just thankful that I found something that I liked and still over five years later, I still think it's the perfect pick. So there you go. Pond5.com. Karen says, loving your hair. How about a man bun next shot? I do not do man buns, Karen. Never. Thank you, Lisa. Rockford, love the Iron Maiden deep cuts. It's a little bit, Rockford, it is a little bit of deep cut, although most people would say anything from their newer albums are deep cuts because how music has changed and, and everything that um, you uh, really, I think, would have to be a decently big Iron Maiden fan to know, uh, like, a, a, to know the Book of Souls album and to know some of the songs on it. Um, uh, like the great unknown or where the river runs deep and, and all those things, certainly. And, and even their most recent albums in Jutsu. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is Rockford is that some of my favorite Iron Maiden songs are not the uh, most common ones like run to the, I mean, I love those songs too, but I'm a big fan of the wicker man. I'm a big fan of Moonchild. I'm a big fan of The Prisoner, which now a lot of, of course, you're really hardcore Iron Maiden fans know those songs, but you know, back in the day, you never hear those on regular, you know, rock radio. And even if you were to turn on Sirius XM and go to the Heavy Metal Channel at Hair Nation or Ozzy's Boneyard, those three songs, you'll probably never hear them on there either. But those are some of my, those are three of my top, top, top Iron Maiden songs. Um, Super Tramp, ready, no train to anywhere would be great. Super Tramp. I like that. Okay, Super Tramp's okay. Sheree says, I got to pick the one for the live show. That's right, Sheree did. I'm sorry I left you out, Sheree. Everybody should know that the song that you hear for the, the podcast version of this live show, uh, I did give Sheree the uh, assignment of going to Pond 5 and listening to music and sending me. I think the way it worked out, Sheree, is you kind of narrowed it down for me and I picked one, right? I think that's how it happened. But yes, I, that's an assignment that I gave Sheree and she kind of narrowed it down to five or six. And I picked out this one. It's kind of a little fun baseline type of jingle. Of course, you wouldn't know that. If you've only watched this live show in here, of course, there's no music. But if there's an audio version that's a podcast now, and that is the music that Sheree uh, picked out. Rockford. Um, yes, but Iron Maiden didn't fall off. It's true. They keep cranking. They do. And they're all still together, Rockford. It's spectacular. I love it. Seven Son of his fantastic album. I do. Uh, that's probably overall my favorite album, probably. But it's weird that uh, I, the songs that I like are on other albums. Weird. Uh, what about Brave New World? Brave New World's spectacular. That is what um, The Wicker Man is on. Shree says, that's true, but it was so fun. Well, I'm glad you had fun with that, Shree. I'm glad. Good to hear was like i have a job for sheree she's gonna pick out some music all right let me go to this story i want to read this to you 
And I'm gonna. I posted in this this in the group uh, maybe last week, and didn't get much response to it. But I'm gonna read it for all of you anyway. To Osne Robertson, a student at, at California State University Northridge, was approaching one year of on again, off again dating with a coworker when she came to a realization she would eventually announce to her followers on Twitter. My biggest mistake in life so far was dating a man with a podcast. Ms. Robertson, 24, began seeing him in December 2021. He was 35 at the time and had dreams of being a social media influencer. I do not, by the way. They both worked at an Amazon warehouse near her home in Lancaster, California. The situationship, as she aptly called it, was very embarrassing, but she continued to date him until January of this year, 2023. I knew he had a podcast, but I had never listened to it. I was like, okay, I like this man. I'm already ignoring his social media presence. I'm just going to forget he has a podcast. Things were fine when they were together, as long as Ms. Robertson didn't think about his extracurriculars. Until one day, he sent her a link to his show, inviting her to listen and share her thoughts What she heard turned her off. For Ms. Robertson, it wasn't just the content of the man's podcast, but that he had one at all. Like many other women, she associates associates the form of a certain kind of man. One who is endlessly fascinated by his own opinions, loves the sound of his own voice, and isn't the least bit shy about offering unsolicited opinions on masculinity, sexuality, and women. Of course, you know I don't do any of that. And if I do, it's in a self-deprecating way, making fun of myself. Many women have taken to social media to mock just that kind of programming and the men who make it. On TikTok, hashtags like men with podcasts gather videos of mostly women using a beard filter to, to satirize the sort of things male podcast hosts say, such as, why is a man, are you born in the month of February? Or that's the problem with women who read. Others have, <coughs> others have called on them to put down the mic and get a job. With the once booming podcast industry currently on the back foot, I don't know what that means, and meaning, I don't know, and host reputations for self-important mansplaining having long since caught up with them, is the podcast bro officially a persona non grata in today's dating landscape? In an interview with a handful of men who work on or have worked in podcasting, some say they have come across romantic prospects who view their profession as a potential red flag. And even among those who haven't, some preemptively adjust their presentation of themselves to make it a clear distinction. Tyree Rush, 29-year-old podcast producer, whatever that means, in Atlanta, said he makes it a point not to list his profession on his dating app profile. Instead, he usually says he works in digital media. I was on a date in Chicago, and I said that I said that, and I said that I do digital strategy at first. He recalled, no wonder these guys are lying. So she kept pressing, and I was like, actually, I produce podcasts. Now, maybe it's because I lied and said I did digital strategy first, but she was not into it. But I also just think when she heard podcasts, it was a cause for a concern for her. Mr. Rush added that she followed with, don't tell me you're doing like a Joe Budden podcast or anything like that. Scrutiny of the podcast bro archetype has also appeared in some other areas of pop culture in the Netflix comedy, You People, 
Ezra, a white broker played by Jonah Hill, reveals to his date that his dream job is due to a hip-top culture podcast full-time, which is first met with laughter, followed quickly by judgment and concern. Mr. Rush, who has worked for Marvel, iHeartMedia, and the podcast network Wondery, said he understood the wariness, given that many things women have have to be afraid of when it comes to dating men. A podcast is just another thing to worry about. It's like a new chivalry or etiquette that we're trying to figure out, he said. Logan Mendoza, 23, is one of four hosts of Sweet Talks, a video podcast on YouTube. He said they often get direct messages from men who enjoy their content, which he described as mostly guy talk and debate. He said he didn't consider Sweet Talks to be like some, to be like some of the more offensive shows. At the end of the day, you want to entertain the listeners and the viewers. So to do that, you're going to have to do some crazy stuff and say some crazy stuff. Not really, but sometimes we'll say stuff. We won't really fall in line with it. Sometimes we'll disagree on topic just to have that argument with each other. Hate that on the podcast and have different points of view. Raymond Pang, a 31-year-old podcast producer and sound designer, whatever those things mean, who works mostly on science shows, said he never personally experienced romantic rejection because of his profession. In fact, he said it was often a point of entry into conversation. About a month ago, he started seeing someone who also worked in public radio. He felt the audio label encompassed both jobs. I feel like I've been able to position myself away from the terrible man corner of podcasting, he said in an interview. Mr. Pang said he didn't know of many people who work in audio who would call themselves podcasters, though given the unappealing idea that anybody can be a podcaster. It could mean that you work at This American Life, or it could mean that you record a podcast with a bunch of your friends to talk about the latest week of football games or something like that or worse, like misogynistic stuff, he said. For her part, Ms. Robertson, the Cal State student, said that after her experience, she would never again date a man in podcasting. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, um, I thought all of you would find that very interesting. And, you know, and I think that I can read uh, an article like that and kind of laugh at it and try to analyze it myself. I'm not... I'm not offended by that. I, I, what I read in a lot of it, of course, is not what I do. Um, but I am a podcaster, and it did, you know, kind of start out with a woman. I don't think it even mattered what the guy was doing, what kind of podcast he was doing. That, um, you know, she was going to dislike him no matter what he was doing in, in podcasting. Now. You know, all I can say is that I've been doing this six and a half years. You know, as many as most of you know, I'm not much of a social animal anyway. Um, so I, I have to admit that from my personal experience, I don't even know if this is true or not from a in a personal relationship way. Now, I will tell you, although, and I have talked about this before, that certainly as a missing persons podcaster, as a true crime podcaster, there is a stigma from people in the legal profession, in the law enforcement profession, certainly, that if they find out that you are a true crime podcaster, it's like, stay away. Now, of course, that didn't happen with me. 
and with in Greeley, Colorado and what happened with Steve Panky and everything, but it was just because of the work I did. Otherwise, I don't think that prosecutor or any other prosecutor would probably want to have anything to do with me or any other true crime podcaster at all. There's certainly a stigma regarding that. And as I've stated, I think on this live show before, the problem is that I think the true crime community as a whole, the podcasting side of it, the people who make these podcasts like I do, have earned it. I wouldn't say I've done that, but certainly a lot of them have. And it's something that the rest of us have to work through if we want to be taken seriously with whatever we're doing, whether it's like myself, who does nothing but missing persons cases, or John Lorden, who does a little mixture of everything, or Marissa Jones at The Vanished, she does nothing but missing persons cases, or other people who I think are trying to do something good and serious. They're not sensationalists. They're not doing this because they know it's popular. You know, they really care about what they were doing. Um, Those people, I would include myself in that, we really do have to work through a lot. There certainly is a stigma within, given that we're covering a lot of these situations, the disappearances to be crimes, and then the people who are in charge of solving them don't take us seriously. It, It exists. And like I said, it's unfortunately earned. I wouldn't say that I've personally earned it, though. But I know that I have to work through it. In fact, I'm trying to work through something like that right now regarding two organizations out there who claim that they want uh, help. They claim that they want consultants and things. And I've sent information to both of them with my very extensive resume, and they've both blown me off. So there's that. Now, as far as my personal life goes, even though, um, let's just say that, uh, you know, I'm not on a woman hunt or anything. <laughs> let's just put it that way. I, I but uh, I've not experienced that in my personal life. Um, when I've told people that I do a podcast and that I cover nothing but missing persons cases and I interview families and everything. It's always very positive. It's always very positive. You know, when it comes up, although I don't bring it up, some guys at disc golf tournaments were just kind of standing around talking or whatever. And they see me with the long hair and everything. What what do you do? I'm missing persons reporter and, researcher and investigator and they're like really yeah and and we have a decent conversation about it women same way now i'm not i'm not trying to impress any of these women i'm not trying to take any of these women out or anything but if it comes up like somebody i run into here in the building or a trivia or something like that you know i've never had anybody react like oh you do that Maybe they're just too nice to do that. So I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of weird to me, you know, being that, you know, especially since I know that Unfound's audience is at least 80% women. So women um, 
are not turned off. These women are not turned off by male podcasters. And we know there's a few hosts out there. So it's just, I, I don't know if this, I'm guessing this is kind of true. I don't know if it's universally true. I think that certainly there are a lot of men out there behaving very, very badly on their podcasts. Certainly. And there is a lot of misogynistic stuff and everything. But, you know, the way the headline of this article is written and some the way it kind of starts out is that women just really aren't into men, period, who have their own podcasts. So, um, but of course, when it, when I caught, I had, I mean, I had to talk about it, right? I had to do that. Um just because uh, it's about podcasting and men who don't do podcasts. Um, let's see where there's the. Uh, Sheree says, I wish that my nine to five job was just pick out some music. Dream big kids. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Karen, I want the job of naming streets. That's funny too. Uh, Yahoo Mountain Dew. Uh, Sheree. She says, I can actually relate. When I mention working on a podcast, people go blank. And so I back off and say, well, it's not my podcast. Oh, Sheree, 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 Sheree. That's not my podcast. I'm not taking ownership of it. That's okay, Sheree. I'm not offended. The real. So how do you, they feel about podcasters exactly? I know. Rockford, let's be real. There are a lot of truly awful podcasts. That's true. In true crime, it's a tendency to spot opinions without doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you want to be, be taken serious in this line of work, you have, to, you have to cut through a lot. It's like chopping through the Amazon jungle, I'm here to tell you. Uh, Sheree, Unfound is not just any podcast. Real lives, real journalism, real investigation. I appreciate that, Sheree. Um, uh, I appreciate that. I do have to admit that, you know, we really, on the other hand, we really don't know these women who they're talking to either. I mean, they might, may just be awful people <laughs> just looking for a story. I don't know. And in any profession or group, there are good and bad. That's true. As Jerry Seinfeld says, there are bad doctors out there. Not every doctor graduated at the top of his class or her class. Marty, it's sad some podcasters cast a dark light on the industry, but if it's your passion, I say who cares what other people think. Oh, I, I surely don't care, Marty. It's just a very fun, it's kind of an interesting article. <coughs> um, like I said, I think that if I was a guy who got out more and was going places to actually meet women, and I would probably have a better gauge of this uh, than I do, then I'd probably maybe be able to tell you, have some personal experiences telling people, oh, I, yeah, some women, hey, who don't know me, I have this podcast and I do this and do that and see what their reactions were. And if I tried to go out with them a second time, did they take my phone call or, or whatever else I would have? But that's not what I do. Uh, I knew you would think it was funny. I'm kind of kidding. Of course, I'm um, two more things. Uh, Brian Patrick Miller, I, I have this article typed out, but I'm not going to read it. I'm running out of time. But you should know that the Brian Patrick Miller uh, trial is going on right now. 
And that's, of course, that is important because uh, many people believe that he was the one who killed Brian Brandy Myers. That's a disappearance. Of course, we covered a few years ago. That's a disappearance from the Phoenix or Mesa, Arizona area. And he is on trial. And just recently, his uh, ex-wife was on the stand and... She was talking, saying all these things about him, his fascination with knives and everything else. And um, it's not over yet. I would say that this is going uh, the same way that the Alex Murdoch trial went. Seems to me that Brian Patrick Miller is going to be found guilty. You know, I think he tried to plead insanity originally or something. Uh, It doesn't seem to be any doubt in my mind that he's going to be found guilty. But it is important because this is, guy is considered to be the killer of Brandy Myers. The big question that comes to mind, though, every time I think about Brandy Myers' disappearance and Brian Patrick Miller, and this has been a long time coming, um, Brian Patrick Miller finally was charged because of DNA. He had gotten away with these crimes for a while. The couple women had ended up in canals. They they were found. It took a while for the science to catch Brian you have to ask, why were these two young women, these girls, found, but Brandy wasn't? And just don't know if I have any answer to that. Did he put her in a different place? Uh, being that these women, these girls, were found in this canal area, was it, you know, was the canal, was the level of the water higher when he put Brandy, if that's what he did with her? But if you do a a search, I think he was also called the zombie killer. Because when they caught him, that's what he was. Is he like an online avatar or something like that? Um, But his trial's going on. So if you Google it, Brian Patrick Miller, you'll see all of the latest information. Uh, But it has been going on for a little while now. Of course, it was a long time coming uh, for him to be apprehended and finally... Um, Kathy says Brandy Myers covered 10, 18, 19, uh, 2019. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, that was right around the Steve Pankey time, uh, Kathy. It's right around the time I interviewed Steve. Of course, his, his interview didn't come out till November. Yeah, I remember that. I'd only been in this condo of mine for a few months. Crazy. Seems like yesterday. One more thing I want to get to before I talk about Friday's episode. And Friday's episode is a kind of disappearance that I've been looking to cover for a long time now. I've actually even talked about this. But first, I want to talk talk about this podcaster and her husband who got murdered by a stalker. And you should know um, that the kind of... um, Ms. Sadegi, um, d- was doing a, uh, it wasn't in English, it was in Farsi, an audio stream about gaining an employment in the tech industry. And the stream was hosted on Clubhouse, which is not something I've ever heard of. A social media app described in a blog post by Hootsuite as a cross between a podcast and a conference call. And that allows users to talk and listen in chat rooms. I have to admit, I've never heard of it. But this woman and her husband was killed, were killed 
by this guy, uh, uh, Ramin, with a really long last name that starts with a K. Ramin K also shot himself dead early Friday morning at the couple's home after breaking in through her bedroom window. Uh, The woman's mother was inside the house during the shootings, but she was unharmed. Before the killings, the woman had sought a protection order against the suspect earlier this month, but it had not been served because authorities could not locate the killer, who is from Texas and worked as a truck driver. Redmond police uh, said uh, this is the absolute worst outcome for a stalking uh, case, the police chief said. The stalking victim and her husband, whose names have not been released, had been repeatedly contacted by the killer after they met online through a chat app. According to reports, the killer reportedly listened to the woman's podcast on the app and began communicating with her. The woman and suspect became friends. She filed a no-contact order against him when things escalated. And so uh, you can look that up. And so this is kind of one of those things uh, that I've been asked of before. Ed, do you take precautions? You do your podcast. It's been out for six and a half years. Uh, You get over a million downloads a year. You're in all these different countries. Everybody knows what you look like because you do this live show and everything else. Do you worry about things like that? I wouldn't say I worry about it. Um, Like I said, it's easy for me to not worry about it because I don't go a lot of places anyway. And um, I think it's different also for a guy compared to a woman. If you're doing a podcast or even if you're a a singer, an actress, most likely your stalker is going to be a man if you're a woman. If, and if you're going to be a, a guy, most likely a woman's going to be a stalker. The thing is, there are way more men stalkers than there are women stalkers. So I take precautions. I mean, I've talked about uh, my gun ownership, and I always try to keep my head on a swivel. And I realize that there are certainly some people who have been mentioned on, mentioned on Unfound that if I were to run into them somewhere, that it could get ugly and stuff. But I, I have to admit, I really don't think about it. And certainly in six and a half years of podcasting, I've never had anything like this ever, 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 not even anything close to this. So, but uh, you know, who even alerted me to this article was former assistant Natasha has told you I'd been talking to her and she had seen this article and she sent it to me. She's like, Hey Ed, be safe out there. Did you see this article? Um, but I have to admit, you know, my, uh, you know, my crime con attitude of never going there and everything. This is once again, one of those reasons that I, I just don't get it. That you go there and it very well may be that, Somebody's stalking you. That's a perfect way for that stalker to run into you if you go to something like that. So it's one of the one of the many reasons that I think I'm, I'm against Crime Con. I'll never be there and why it's weird to me. But but to, you know, to answer my own question, I really don't think about it. And uh, I, I think you know, I think if I did, if it would, you know, just. I know, I know there are crazy people out there. I don't think you can do anything about them. Uh, I think that if this guy hadn't latched onto these two, he would have done it to somebody else. These people are just out there. 
you just have all you can do is be as safe as you can. It seems like they tried to do the right thing, but wasn't enough. Maybe they just I think too many people think, well, I found the protection order. I don't have to worry about anything anymore. Uh, actually, it might just get worse. So uh, very sad, very sad. But any any time you're going to be out there in public, acting, musician, doing a podcast, public figure, doing the news, being like or like Jody Who's in Truth or something, obviously your chances of being stalked and being attacked by a stranger go up a lot more than for the the regular layperson, regular person who is an accountant, engineer, teacher, or someone like that. Um, Rockford, a lot of Arizona references tonight. I'm headed there later this week to catch some spring training. Almost time to renew our AL West rivalry, Sherry. Uh-oh, here we go. Ferry, where you been? Good to see you tonight, Sherry. Always against the Dodgers. Uh, that's funny. Okay, Astrid. You know what her podcast was about? It was about people. Uh, I'm going to read this again there, Ferry. Uh, it was a Farsi, so it wasn't in English. It was in Farsi, which is like a Middle Eastern language. Farsi audio stream about gaining employment in the tech industry. It was streamed on, or hosted by a social media app called Clubhouse, which I've never heard of. And it's a cross between a podcast and a conference call that allows users to talk and listen in chat rooms. So this is not like it's a true crime podcast host or something. Something totally, totally different. All right, this Friday, being that we're just about out of time. This Friday, for a first, although he is not the main concentration of the episode, he is missing too. Uh, We have a murderer who is on the run. And this goes way back to April of 1977 in New York City. Uh, Judy Brown, a young woman, uh, 19 years old, having some issues uh, from a good family, but some things going on with her. She had been admitted to a healthcare facility to get things worked out. Well, while she was there, she ran into this guy. His name was Richard Riesenberg. And she was only there for a very short time, but somehow the two ran into each other, struck up a friendship. And then she got moved to a different facility, but they kept in touch. And Richard Riesenberg stayed at this facility. And he was allowed to come and go as he wanted. He just had to be back at the facility at a certain curfew or whatever. Well, in April of 1977, Judy went missing and Richard Riesenberg went missing at the same time. Well, Richard Riesenberg had the reason he was in that facility. It was because in 1971, he murdered his wife and his son. And somehow in court, he got away with pleading insanity and the judge bought it. And so finally in 1977, six years later, he met Judy Brown and seemingly they decided to go on the run. She was Technically not on the run, but he certainly is on the run. Neither of them were ever seen again. However, there is reason to believe that Richard Riesenberg was alive in 1995 because 
my guest, who is Julian Quateria, who is Judy's cousin, who is the guest, he found out that in 1995, Richard actually called his lawyer from the original case from the early 1970s. So 18 years after Richard Riesenberg, killer, went on the run, he was still alive somewhere. Judy, though, nowhere to be found. But Julian uh, is doing a great job, and he's the guest. I don't have a title or a theme for this episode yet, but that is what this Friday will be, the first time we are looking for. Of course, we can't forget Judy, but um, and she will be the main focus. That's what the in- introduction will be. But also a killer who did not serve out his sentence despite his sentence being, you know, insanity. Okay. Um, he could still be out there somewhere alive. How about that? So that's this Friday. A first. We're looking for a killer. Yes, I know we've covered some guys who are running away from the police, Brendan Smokey and some others. But this is on a totally, totally different level. This guy certainly ran away because he just didn't want to be in that facility anymore. So that's all I got. That was uh, the live show for March 13th, 2023. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Rockford says it's fancy, Sri. I'm always okay. Uh, Fairy makes sense. She lived up in Microsoft land. Mark, good night, folks. Have a great week. All of you have a great week. Keep your head on a swivel. And I guess the next time you hear me will be on Friday if you listen to the podcast right away like some people do. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate you giving Unfound a little bit of your time on a Monday night. And thank you for everybody that listens to this show as a podcast as well. Good night. Good night.